This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Now it's time to enter into a world of innovation, a world of human struggles, heartbreak, and achievement. And most of all, a world of wonder. Welcome to CT Startup. All right. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is Eric Francis from Trifecta Ecosystems, uh, bringing you another episode of uh, CT Startup. And this is actually going to be a, uh, a different kind of episode. So this is going to be a uh, kind of a, a jump off to a series of um, guest uh, interviews that you're going to hear from us. And, um, and to kind of explain that is here is Janice Collins from The Refinery. How are you doing, Janice? Good. How are you doing, Eric? Good, good. So, uh, Janice, what's The Refinery and, uh, you know, how is your con- what's your connection to Connecticut? Oh, so for the last four and a half years, Eric, The Refinery has been accelerating women-led tech companies. We've been based in Westport, Connecticut, um, and we are in the midst of a slight pivot, um, focusing more on entrepreneurial leadership. And, and okay, so first off, um, Accelerator, right? So we've, on this podcast, we've talked about the Reset Accelerator, um, the one up at Upward Hartford and everything like that. So what, what, what's different about your Accelerator? What was it before and then why, why the pivot? So. so we focused on women-led tech companies that were ready to scale. So those companies that already had product market fit, maybe some funding, and were in the midst of an inflection point and trying to figure out where do I go from here? So we were helping them figure out that next path, right, and develop a growth and funding strategy for scaling. Okay, okay. So, so before we get kind of go on that rabbit hole, let's go on the rabbit hole of how you got to this. So why, why did you start the accelerator? Um, you know, what happened four years ago that kind of catalyzed this with, uh, with your other co-founder? Tell us a little bit about that. So that's such a great question. So there were about five of us in a coffee shop in Panera Bread in Norwalk, Connecticut, And we were all talking about how we wanted to invest in startups. And what we weren't seeing was enough pipeline and deal flow and companies that we were interested in starting. So we came up with this idea that if we ran an accelerator program, we would see more companies and more deal flow. And on top of that, we've had an opportunity through educating them and mentoring them to really get under the hood Mm -hmm. and see what those companies were like. And then the last piece was we said, my co-founder and I, we're women, very successful in our careers and very male-oriented careers. Mm-hmm. We are going to require one woman in a leadership role. Okay. So when we started the refinery, we just said one woman in a leadership, leadership role. It turned out that 39 or 38 of the 39 CEOs were women. Well, that's a leadership role yeah. for you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it's interesting that um, I'm, so you're in the coffee shop, you're talking to some of your other peers about deal flow and, and investing in other companies. W- w- you know, what made you get to the position of investing in other companies? You know, have you started one? You know, what kind of industry were you in before? Because it's kind of interesting when it comes to accelerators. In a lot of places, it was because other investors wanted more deal flow and, and more qualified deal flow to kind of come through, come through their, their, uh, their world. So tell us a little bit about why you even, why you've to start this accelerator for the deal flow and everything. So just a little bit about my background. I started my first company. I was in technology when I first started. Um, and I started my first company when I was 26 or 27 years old in New York city. 
um, and actually developed it into $450,000 of revenue in my second year. Very nice. I worked around the clock, though, and it was I was close to burning out and decided that it was time to get out and give it over to my partner or sell mm -hmm. it to my partner. So later, um, I was still in technology, became a partner at KPMG for capital markets technology, an expert in electronic markets, thought leader, um, started to look and help startups get off the ground in fintech. Okay. So then JP Morgan was a client of mine, and they hired me to run the business incubator for the very first fintech group of companies. Very nice. Um, it was cool. And actually, they said they would teach me to be an investor at the time because I wanted to be an investor. And at a KPMG partner, I couldn't be an investor in the startups that we were helping. So. So, so you were analyzing them, understanding, you know, wow, this one is investable. Yeah. Wow, this one's not yeah. investable. And so yeah. you're like, why can't I do this as a just a private investor? Right, right, right. So anyway, so I learned a lot at JP Morgan. It was a very cool experience. Um, we had 60 companies in our portfolio, one of which happened to be PayPal, another happened to be CapIQ. My team actually helped design the 2.0 of CapIQ um, and about three or four others that were wildly successful. So, so you're talking about that's like the 2000 era. That's kind yes. of a dot com bubble. So you went, you, so you went through that at uh, KPMG or at, at JP Morgan. Morgan. Oh, so you probably did see a lot about, you know, and, yeah. And it's kind of interesting. There's a big fintech revolution happening now, right? Yes. I mean, that's so you saw it 20 years ago with yeah. PayPal and, and yeah. so forth. Now we're kind of yeah. seeing it again. Yeah. I mean, one of the nice things that we were able to do though at JP Morgan is that because we had actually the money, the bank behind us. We could invest in two or three payment companies, not just PayPal, but two or three others, right? And like an actually VC would, yeah, right? Or, exactly. you know, kind of thing. You yeah. can't put your, your eggs in all in one basket. Yeah, so. yeah. Very cool. So, so okay, so deal flow, right? Yeah. So we're going to get we're gonna get to your pivot kind of to, to the leadership of entrepreneurship, but did you did the deal flows come? I mean, did you find the, the ideas? Did you find the entrepreneurs here in Connecticut? I think we found some great companies. I think we every program we ran... Um, we loved our companies, um, and we fell in love with our companies. It was really hard to say, should we invest in them? Should we advise them? How do we, you know, help them grow? Oh, was that too much of a parental role? <laughs> Not like a... <laughs> I think, you know, at times that's the case. You know, I think we really felt very close to them, um, it, but it was hard to definitely become an investor, which changes your relationship. So as soon as you start to think about it being the investor, your advice changes. And putting your money into that company, your attitude changes. Yeah. I mean, like I mean, there's a lot yeah. of other things, right? Yeah. Like you, it's almost you, you get a more um, kind of hard-lined approach, right? Yes. It's like this or that. It's, right. it's black or white. It's right. there's no gray. Right. And what most people would say about me is that I always put the entrepreneur first, and so that became sort of the hallmark of our program. Is we are very entrepreneur focused, and so. You lose that as soon as you write that check, right? Because you're not always thinking of that entrepreneur first. So, anyway. Yeah, and I guess let's talk about that, right? Like, why, why, I mean, do you, do you not like the fact that people say that you're more of the entrepreneurial, like, kind of focused in that, in that role? Or do you, do you prefer one role versus the other? I think I probably prefer being the mentor, the coach of the mm -hmm. entrepreneur and watching that person be successful. Mm -hmm. um, that's in this series that I'm doing right now, which is around developing leaders. I'm really putting my money in funding this program mm -hmm. because I believe that entrepreneurs can be better leaders and they need some support and some foundation and some education around it. Okay. So I guess, so, so yeah, you know, it was hard for you to make the transition between the mentor and the investor, right? Which is, Interestingly enough, I feel like a lot of accelerators are like that. Um, I, f I feel like maybe Techstars is different, but also 
from my understanding of Techstars, is like their mentor network is actually the 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 kind of the gold that that's behind them and, and kind of their really competitive advantage. But so so why what's the difference between an and can i tell you yeah. about ours so yeah. a lot of people would say that's true about the refinery as well okay. a lot of our mentors are angel investors so and they and a lot of them have written the checks mm-hmm. um maybe they just didn't feel that same where i was where because yep. i was working with them on a daily basis right and um you know i think that was a hallmark of the refinery as well now, so so question, mostly angel investors, not necessarily VC types? Well, we also had a relationship, a strategic relationship with a couple of VCs. Mm-hmm. Most prominent was Canaan Partners. Okay. Um, and so they were amazing for us because oftentimes we would run a company by them that we were thinking about putting in the program. We would get some feedback and we'd also get some guidance about what kind of mentors might be best for this kind of company. Mm-hmm. So, so um, some of your most of your investors kind of rolled that line between mentor and investor, because yeah. like because they were kind of like that angel investor, I yeah. guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, so why? What's the difference between leadership and entrepreneurship, or, or, or mentoring a startup versus mentoring a leader? Because is that maybe not where you're going with the the pivot? But yeah. So I think when you mentor a startup, you're really looking at the business, right? Mm-hmm. And you're saying, how can I take this business, which is maybe three hundred thousand a year in revenue, and really grow this to be, you know, a twenty million dollar, thirty million dollar company mm-hmm. in the next five to seven years? And you look at the whole picture, right? You're looking at the market, you're looking at the team, you're looking at their products mm-hmm. and product offerings and their finances. But when you're looking only at leadership development, you're looking at that CEO and saying, how do you lead this company forward? So it's not necessarily the whole picture as much as developing that CEO to be a really strong leader that can you know, make it through a lot of obstacles, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of obstacles, as you know, in every startup. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Does does that mean that you're you kind of feel as if the leader of a startup is the key kind of the 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 key to it or or leaders of that startup? Yeah, are the key I think to they make or it break like, it. I think you could have a great product if you have lousy leadership, you're gonna fail. Mm-hmm. So so okay. So what's the difference between that mentoring of the startup and that leader? I mean. It, it, did your program have to change drastically or was it just being more specialized to an individual versus like a, you know, a group of Yeah, people? it's more specialized to an individual versus a group. Although we actually um, expanded our program to inclu- include three different sections on leadership. Okay. And I think even if you talk to a lot of uh, VCs today or some of the early seed funds, they would say the gaping hole today for entrepreneurs is entrepreneurial leadership development that their entrepreneurs get to a certain level, but they maybe didn't have any of that leadership development before, and growing that company, they're challenged. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, and I just personally went through a year-long program at Harvard Business School around leadership. Mm-hmm. So is there, um, so from the VCs, when they talk about that entrepreneurial, they hit that kind of that, that ceiling of leadership or they, they haven't developed anymore, is it a certain, um, uh, type of, of CEO or uh, in certain industries, a uh, certain age of a, of a CEO? Are they saying this like because the younger, you know, because again, CEOs are telling, getting a little bit younger, you know, because of the startups and so forth and so on. 
Or is it still like even the older 40, 50 year olds that still aren't the greatest leaders they can be? You know, I don't think you could put a box around mm-hmm. this. I don't think you could say it's one specific formula. I do think that sometimes VCs are really anxious to change out the CEO with somebody else they know better and have worked with before. Um, we're going to hopefully change that model for some of the especially female CEOs okay. um, in particular because I think they're more apt to be a target to be replaced. Um, so we're going to really, and, and women are amazing leaders, mm-hmm. and so we're going to give them that confidence to keep going. Yep. I forgot what, like I'm trying to remember what book I just uh, recently read, but it was talking about how uh, CEOs um, or women CEOs tend to be put into CEO roles when like the company is at a bad time or a, like a bad moment. So like there's, it's like almost like kind of giving them like a handcuffed position yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and so I guess here's the thing. Do women need more more kind of uh, leadership training to, to do those versus, versus men? And I assume it's different types of training, right, when you're talking about So I would say, you know, as I've gone and um, socialized my program mm-hmm. and talked about it with various people, most of the men I've talked to want to be a part of it. So my guess is, no, women don't need any special leadership. All they need is a little bit more confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and actually women make amazing leaders. I don't know if you realize this, oh, but in I the no Fortune 500 CEOs that are females, they outperform men every time, mm-hmm. right? 80%. So um, they're great leaders, but what we could use is more entrepreneurs that have a lot more confidence and swagger. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why? What? What's the difference between confidence and swagger in your mind? Because <laughs> I would, I would, I would, I, yeah, I would feel like they almost kind of go like you know hand in hand. Yeah. So that would be a guy's uh, response <laughs> yeah. to that, right? So women don't swagger. Yeah. So women don't swagger. Okay. And we yeah. don't want them to swagger. Yeah. We just want them to have confidence, yeah. and we want them to have courage. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that is a big part of our program is focusing on building your core values, or at least being really clear mm-hmm. on your core. values values and also aligning your people and your staff with the same core values hiring people with similar values so you stay on your path and you're not going to be rocked off the pedestal so easily yeah yeah and i would assume like especially talking from a from an idea of like not making sure that the ceos aren't just replaced by the vc or can withstand that kind of turbulence is that ceos need to change as a company grows right like from a from a company that's 10 people to a company that's 100 people i'd assume you need completely different yeah. you know uh, leadership roles yeah. just from my experience going from three people it was th- us three founders yeah. we had one or two employees now we're at 10 that dynamic has changed pretty right. drastically already right. so right. right i mean i mean that's been around for a long time right so which is are you the ceo that helps grow the company in the beginning mm-hmm. or are you the one that actually brings it to scale yep. and so those sometimes are very different skills creating the company the visionary to begin with but then growing mm-hmm. it in the pe- in the future um, we're not focusing on some of those very specific day-to-day skills. Okay. We're focusing more on you as a leader and how are you going to make change in your company, how are you going to create change in the world, how are you going to be a very strong, confident leader going forward. So that's not even like in, in – you're talking about like uh, global, like the global perspective of you being a leader, not yeah. necessarily you a leader and just in your company but in your community – in your in your family life whatever right and we would say it all goes together right i mean that's the deal i think that is the deal about being a leader you're not just a leader during the day and you go home and you're somebody else right Mm -hmm. so you have to be who you are you have to be authentic and you know most of the leaders i know do that right Mm -hmm. so they lead during the day their team then they lead their community in a service event or in, in a financial whatever 
Um, and then they're out there in the global world, right? So um, leadership is about who you are, mm -hmm. and that's what we're trying to get to, and that's why we call it finding your leadership sweet spot. Interesting. Cause I, and I assume everybody has a different leadership style, and you have to understand your own style and how it fits and in. I think, or and I think it's less to do with style. It's more to do with who you are as a person and that sweet spot. So, this, so let's talk about the sweet okay. spot for a second, right? I'm an avid tennis player. It's okay. my addiction. Um, so <laughs> there's a sweet spot on your racket, and it's where oh, yeah, the you ball... feel it. <laughs> you feel it. It just like pops, right? <laughs> and so when the ball hits that sweet spot on the strings, you get optimum results. Mm -hmm. So same thing with a leader, right? So when your intersection of your capabilities mm -hmm. and your motivations meet, you get great results. It becomes easy. It's natural. We don't have to try so hard, right? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, everything just works. Mm -hmm. So it's about finding that leadership sweet spot in yourself and aligning it and just being easy, natural, authentic leader. Mm -hmm. And and I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not there, but I would assume that takes a lot of self, like, um, you know, kind of understanding yourself, self-awareness, yeah. obviously is key, key yeah. to that kind of thing. And yeah. it's kind of, you talk about that, that swing, the authentic self is that uh, the legend of Bagger Vance always pops my mind that the book of like the authentic swing and, you know, really yeah. understanding it. And yeah. um, that's great. So I guess here's the, here's the big thing is that everybody's journey is different. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, you know, like every, everybody's authentic self comes to fruition Absolutely. differently. Yeah. So, so let's talk about this, the speaker series that you're going to be doing, because I assume that's what you're going to be going into is these different yeah. stories of how yeah. somebody found their authentic leadership yeah. skills. So what, what I've done based on sort of the work I did at Harvard Business School was to really break down into components some of the key pieces. Mm -hmm. And one of those is core values. And so our first in the series was called Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste. And it really was about a woman, uh, Sarah Biller, who was a financial services um, technology person and really understood during the last financial crisis that we had the information and the analytics tools and the technology to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so she began a startup out of that financial crisis. So the moral of the story, though, is Sarah has very strong values, mm -hmm. very strong core values, could not stand there and watch it all happen and had to do something while her personal friends were losing their jobs, her friends at Lehman, mm -hmm. et cetera. And that was what was driving her. So it made the difference between her and many others about acting during that crisis, coming up with a startup during the crisis, raising capital during a credit crisis was incredible. So our first in the series is around core values. The second is uh, around resilience. And it's the art of failing and coming back. Mm -hmm. All of us, every day, all of us have some kind of setback, have some adversity in our lives, have some failures. Mm -hmm. It's those stories that shape who we are as yeah. people and shape us who we are as leaders, really. And how we deal with that failure is what makes the difference. Yeah, some, peop some people say, like, to be a leader, to be an entrepreneur, you have to be, you have to have a little grit. You have to be able to like kind of endure the pain. It, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a lot of, it's so funny. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk always talks about how like, you know, like entrepreneurs right now are like almost like the new superstars. Yeah. And I want to be an entrepreneur, yada, yada, yada. I mean, even honestly, b basketball and football people are entrepreneurs after, right. you know, they, they get out. But the, the stuff you don't see is like, it's, right. 
it's a lot harder. Um, I've, I've suggested many people not to do a job. Like, yeah. I'll tell you the real deal. You yeah. want to you talk about it? You want to talk about the conversations I had with my significant other right. and the, you know, kind of a thing. So, right. yeah, the resilience of, of no, oh, wow, that looks, that looks pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. then okay, how do we get a, how do we yeah. get above that, right? So so we're gonna focus on in our conversation or what are your tools, what are your skills, how do you do that, how do mm -hmm. you come back, and how do you bounce back? Um, other parts of our conversations will be with other leaders is when to quit. So that's a tough one. It, it's a it's a, an important <laughs> question. <laughs> it, it really is. It is so <laughs> tough, right? And knowing when to quit, especially for an entrepreneur, is just really difficult. And so, and, and it happens even in larger corporations when, you know, sort of middle of your career, when do you quit mm -hmm. and change and maybe become an entrepreneur right. or go to a startup, right? So that conversation will be our next one after resilience. You, you know, you know, what's interesting about the change, like when to quit is that, especially with startups, is that um, some people don't put the right expectations up front on yeah. themselves. You know, like it's when, you know, I quit a full-time job to go, you know, start the company and everything. And. I knew it was going to be a three to four year tranche. Like it's like f five years is when, if once you get over five years with your company and you can keep it yeah. going, you know, that, so some people are like, oh, I want it to happen in six months or in, in 12 months. Like, but those are the people who don't set the right expectations. Right. Cause if you know, it's going to take time, you it's, it's like locked in your head. Okay, good. So uh, that is one thing that I've noticed about, about uh, some entrepreneurs that they don't give themselves the right kind of perspective or, um, you know, kind of realistic, uh, kind of ideas of, of how long things are going to take. But so let me just talk yeah. about really quick the other programs yeah, we're no, going to sure, have. Yeah. So we're going to have one on determination, persistence, and grit, which we've kind of already mm -hmm. talked mm -hmm. about. We're also going to have one on finding your peeps. So in, in particular, <laughs> which is who's your support network? Yep. Who's going to be your check and balance here that has no skin in the game but really has your back? And how do you surround your people, yep. especially as an entrepreneur, with those peeps, right? And then the last session is having the courage to lead. So we talk about being a leader, but sometimes we don't own it. Sometimes we just don't have that courage to be that leader. And how do you find that in yourself to lead through the tough times, the good times, and, and the growth times? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, that's, that's interesting. I, I, one of the, uh, the things about having your support network is that you have to have the people around you to ask the right questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not more, it's, it's not like you have to be able to vent, but you have to have people ask the right questions yeah. because especially when they don't have skin in the game and right. we're dealing right that with our companies that we have to bring in people that have no, like you completely outside perspective, like ask us the questions that aren't being asked of us because right. that's the only way we're actually going to get, get through. So, um, nice, nice. So that's going to happen over the next like year, six to 12 months. Kind I of, think we're going to try to get all these in by June. Okay, we're going to try to do all these conversations by the end of June so that we can then design a series of workshops to get more detail about, okay, let's now do it. All right, perfect. Let's put this into practice. Nice, nice. So uh, what's the name of the workshop series or the uh, speaker series again? It's Finding Your Leadership Sweet Spot. All right, great. So uh, so again, everybody, um, you are going to see these kind of pop up over the next six months, uh, probably one a, one a month um, of the other um, you know speaker events that uh, Janice is putting on. So we're actually going to hop onto one right now. So Janice, thank you very much. We're, uh, we're excited about this. Thank you, Eric. Take care. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. We would like to thank both Sublime Exposure Online and Mirtha Kalina for providing resources and space to CT Startup, which make this show possible. See you next week.